Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. And welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the normal goal celebration to my goal celebration with sunglasses. It's Justin <laughs> Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. I've had an eventful couple of days. Obviously, day full of football yesterday. There was some nice weather. There was some gardening as well. But I actually, Ryan, I broke my finger yesterday. Or at least Ooh. I think I did. Oh, how? Yeah. Um, I was trying to dig up some roots in the in the garden, and the spade handle went through the neck of the spade um, and crushed my finger. Um, and it was stuck there for about ten minutes. I couldn't get it out. There was a there was a mild panic in Sweden. Yeah, that'll do it. Um, that will do yeah. it. Is it all right now? It's still very swollen and bruised. And I'm not really sure. I mean, you can't go to hospital for a broken finger, can you? So, I plus just, I always feel myself. bad. Yeah, I always feel bad going to like the walk-in centre when it's a bank holiday as well, or a weekend. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's that. Yeah, I feel like it's more of a weekday kind of issue. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, get out of work and do it. That's what you yeah, got to do. Yeah, yeah, make up all the, get all the time off that you can, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, well, welcome to the number one championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are, ladies and gentlemen. So we've had the Good Friday games, and what a bizarre round of results we've just had. Only one of the <laughs> top eight won, which solves absolutely nothing up there. And then I think all the bottom four, none of them lost, did they? And three of them no. won. So yeah. make sense of that. That's the championship, ladies and gentlemen. And it's getting towards that stage of the season now where the results just get even more bizarre. So what we'll do is we'll go through all the games from Good Friday, talk about some of the news from the past few days as well, and then finish off with a little game right at the end. So we'll kick things off with a massive game at Kenilworth Road, Justin Luton v Forest. Forest had the chance to close the gap even more on Bournemouth for the race for the top two. But Luton came out 1-0 winners after a controversial penalty. I think we both agree it's handball, aren't we? 100%. Yeah, definitely handball. Yeah, okay. And my main question mark was over whether it was outside of the box. And it looks more out than in, if you ask me. No, I think his, I think his body is in. Because you can't you know, put, put a bird's eye view over it, you can't really 100% tell. But instinct would say that was, that was inside the box, I think. Yeah, right calls all around. Well, fair enough. There was also a disallowed goal for Forrest for offside. Jed Spence, who scored it, was offside, but there were question marks over whether the ball was actually played. You got any thoughts, Justin? Yeah, the the Jed Spence thing, I know quite a few have said, oh, um, I think it was Anya Dima who played the ball. Um, And yeah, whether or not he's intentionally gone to play the ball. But for me... um, He's had to play that ball because Spence is in an offside position anyway. So Spence, for me, was was absolutely offside. But the rule of the, the letter of the law says he wasn't. 
Okay. Well, Luton also had a man sent off late on for two yellows, which both seemed soft as well. So the referee was certainly busy here. Uh, what did you think of the game itself, Justin? I thought it was a really good game of football. I was really impressed with it. And um, yeah, a really good way to open up uh, a, a brilliant and unpredictable Friday uh, uh, of results. But I thought Luton were, were disciplined. Um, I thought they were they put in a lot of effort to, um, to get the win. Uh, and as I say, going back to that discipline aspect, they were so well drilled in that first half. It was one of the most sort of, yeah, the only word to describe the performance is discipline because it was that all round. I don't think Forest were particularly bad. Um, I thought they were actually pretty good. They created some good chances, but if it wasn't for James Shea in an inspired form, yeah, Forest, it just wasn't their day, but it was a brilliant game. Yeah, well, Luton held on for a huge three points, which goes some way to allaying fears that they were going to drop out of the playoffs. And it's looking a lot more comfortable again, especially since they were the only side in the top eight to actually win. Um, how close do you think they are, just into actually securing their top six spot? Uh, for Luton, yeah, I think it's, it's still difficult to say, but I would say that the next game, if they get a, a win in the next two games then absolutely it's secure because I can't see Middlesbrough Blackburn Coventry or Millwall making up that much ground to get into the top six so I would say it's pretty secure yeah well Forest was certainly quieter than they have been in recent games but they were by no means bad I completely agree with you what you were saying just a second ago Justin they're fortunate Bournemouth didn't really take advantage of their slip up Mm -hmm. so it means the automatic promotion race is still alive Forest have got West Brom at home on Monday and then Peterborough next weekend They've got to be looking at that and thinking six points, haven't they, if they are to keep the automatic promotion race interesting? Yeah, well, absolutely. If they, if they want to really make a go at the, the automatics, then yeah, six points. They've got to win every game between now and the end of the season um, to get into the automatics. It's as simple as that. Maybe can afford to, to draw another game after this defeat. But I think if automatics are the absolute um, aspiration for Cooper and his players, then yeah, they've got to win. 90% of their games left but I think they'll be looking to solidify that top six place because even though they've got two games in hand still not safe I think it's looking like it's getting there <laughs> isn't it uh, let's yeah. talk about Bournemouth and they drew 0-0 with Middlesbrough a tight game with not a lot in it Bournemouth came closest with Jeff- Jefferson Lerma hitting the bar otherwise not a classic only three shots on target in the whole contest a point not a bad result for either side yeah, I mean, I watched the game and it was one of those where I wish it didn't. It took me about 70 minutes to realise the other games were on red button. So I was obviously <laughs> pretty disappointed because yeah, the Coventry-Birmingham game was a bit of a classic. Um, but yeah, no, this this wasn't the best of games. And I thought Borough, I thought Borough were marginally the better side. Um, obviously, the better chance fell to Bournemouth. But I'm looking at Bournemouth and I'm thinking this is literally a, a copy and paste job of, of, of Fulham under Scott Parker. Because you look at how isolated... Dominic Slanky was at times with the amount of creative players that Bournemouth have got. I, I'm saying again, it's just, it's just not good enough. They need to be performing better. They need to be doing better. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know put my foot in it too much with, with Bournemouth because on the face of it, it's not a bad result. It's it's a clean sheet. It's another clean sheet. It's a point um, a point to to that big tally that they need to get to to get into the top two. Well, they've now failed to score in the last three games, and I don't recall them creating any big chances in those yeah. games either, particularly the last two. And as you say, when you are Bournemouth and you've got such quality players around you, it's not impressive at all, is it? And um, 
it says a lot about they probably at the moment will get promoted because they're obviously more likely than Forest. But if they do get promoted, how they will do in the Premier League with some of the performances they've put in over the past couple of months, I'm, I've got plenty of concerns there. Middlesbrough have got Huddersfield on Monday, a big game if Borough are serious about getting in the top two, isn't it? Top six even. Yeah, yeah top six, absolutely. Um, again, it's, it's a game that they need to win. Uh, I, I thought Borough were, were pretty decent here. They came up against a, a good team with good individuals in it. Um, in Bournemouth and as I say Bournemouth were quite disciplined they didn't give Borough too many sniffs um, but actually yeah I, th- I thought Borough were, were the better side and it's another decent performance that they can take into the next game but it's not really performances they need at the minute they need points on the board they need wins um, and obviously Matt Crooks is going to be out for the next game which uh, next three games actually which is a massive blow um, with his suspension but if they keep defending like they did in this game because I thought they were brilliant Sol Bamba was terrific if they keep defending like that they're going to be in the game and they've got the quality to, to nick a goal at some point. Well, Fulham had the chance to wrap up promotion after Forrest's defeat. All they had to do was beat Derby, but the Rams came in from a goal down to win 2-1. I thought this was a great game, Justin. It was. It was a fun game. Um, and it was one where, obviously, I was watching from a Derby fan, but uh, you know, from a Fulham perspective, I was quite frustrated with them that they didn't go for the jugular as soon as they went 1-0 up. You know, they, they, they've done that quite a few times this season where they have the opportunity to I don't know, trying to think of some sort of um, wildlife predator to, to go for the neck as it, as it is um, and, and really take hold take hold of the game. And, and they didn't and that allowed Derby to grow into it. Derby got to half-time and played with a bit more intensity in the second half because I don't think Derby were particularly brilliant. That They just they exported weaknesses, cough, cough, Tim Ream. And yeah, they, they got the win. You're talking about predators, I'm thinking like a lion taking out a boar. Or something along those lines, taking out a deer. Do lions, do lions take on boars? Mm, I could maybe, maybe like a cheetah. I don't know, like the Lion King's given me a really bad perception of um, wildlife mm. because lions don't take out boars in in Lion King. They're their best pals. Oh, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Well, I thought Derby were brilliant. <laughs> I, I thought a BOA was, again, superb. Someone who just mm-hmm. seems to get better and better. Curtis Davis was class at the back. Had Mitrovic mm-hmm. pretty much in his pocket. I think he had a picture after the game, actually, where he was wearing Mitrovic's shirt. Obviously, they swapped shirts. And he said to a fan, it's not often you manage to pocket a 38-game striker, 38-goal striker. Um, but he was brilliant and has been brilliant across the course of the season. And see, it has kept their slim hopes of staying up alive admittedly they're still very slim especially after Reading won Fulham just can't get promotion over the line can they I've got no doubt that they will get it over the line but three losses in their last five are you getting a few concerns about how they'll do in the Prem after the recent games well looking at this game that the, there were some concerns as I say they just didn't they didn't keep up their intensity because they, you look at the the goal they scored, the the movement from Carvalho especially was just out of this world. I was so impressed with him um, throughout the game, but they didn't build on it. Harry Wilson had an off game. If you're a conspiracy theorist, it's because he was up against Derby. <laughs> um, and yeah, there was just too many off it. It feels like Mitrovic is playing with an injury as well. Um, that's what it looked like. He looked a yard off it um, throughout the game, uh, probably down to Curtis Davis having a good game against him as well. But there was just quite a few players off it. And as I say, Tim Ream, I think he's out of contract at the end of the season, but it, it highlights a number of problem areas for Fulham going into next season in the Premier League. Yeah, Mitrovic, is, he's not been the same player in the last couple of months, has he? He's not been the same player that we saw earlier in the season who was mm-hmm. 
you know, the typical goal-scoring predator that we saw in the first two-thirds of the season. He's he's kind of dropped off a bit, hasn't he? Obviously, obviously still a magnificent player, mm-hmm. but, yeah, he's... Um, I'm, I'm not really sure what's going on with him recently. Whether, whether it's injury or not, I'm not too sure. A 91st minute winner from Tom McIntyre. So Reading win 2-1 away at Sheffield United. The scenes, Justin. I, I loved the scenes when McIntyre got this in. Half the team was celebrating in the stand yeah. with the fans. And then the funniest bit of all, and I, when I saw the goal, I had to rewind it and then watch it all over again was just looking at individual stewards and looking at the sense of panic on their faces <laughs> trying to keep control of the whole situation but that was great um, a lot to take in from this game first of all Josh Laron was playing up front for Reading not sure where that's come from but worked Paul Ince masterclass um, <laughs> Sheffield United have been unbeaten at home since October and then lose to a team who's been fighting relegation all season it's just one of the particularly strange results on Good Friday yeah, but fully deserved for Reading. Um, they they created some decent chances in the first half and managed the game in the second. And I thought Sheffield United were relying heavily on the likes of Morgan Gibbs White to 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 be the spark they needed. Um, they are really lacking something going forward at the moment, Sheffield United. But that played into Reading's hands, and as I say, that character to to keep going. Obviously, with Sheffield United equalising in the 90th minute, and then to to go up and and get that winner in the 92nd minute. It's such a turnaround. You, the, the, the contrast between this team now to the one in early February, late January is is so different. Two different teams, um, and whether it's all down to Paul Lintz, I don't know. But again, you've got to take your hat off to to him to to turning it around like he has. You you act like they're you know winning games on the trot constantly at the moment. I yeah, don't think they, they were terrible. They, they were, were terrible. terrible, and now they're all right. I don't want to get too carried away with how they're doing, but they are virtually safe now. It could be confirmed as soon as Monday, but one more win and they are essentially there. Um, but going back to what you're saying about Sheffield United, Justin, they're, they're doing a brilliant job of mucking up their playoff bid, aren't they? They look like they're going to be a certain not long ago, but now the teams outside the top six are looking at them thinking they're the ones to catch. And it's the going forwards part, which is the real concerning bit for me, yeah. isn't it? It's staggering that a side like Sheffield United are relying so much on a 78-year-old Billy Sharp when <laughs> you've got two £60 million strikers in the squad. Sure, Brewster's been injured for long periods of the mm. season. But the fact that Billy Sharp and Sheffield United look so lacklustre without Sharp up top, it's just mind-blowing. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's strange, isn't it? Um, I mean, I, I do like McBurney, but I do I do think he doesn't quite fit the system that Sheffield United want to play. He's one of those players that is very good at playing with his back to goal and, and getting others into play. And he's obviously scored a lot of goals for Swansea before he's moved to Sheffield United. So there is a player there, but he's just not scoring the goals they need at the moment, um, or he's not getting in the right positions to to score those goals. Um, and that means they are relying heavily on the likes of one gives White to be the spark they need. And as you say, when you're relying heavily on one player, it becomes very easy for opposition to put draw to draw together a game plan um, and, and sush you out. Because even wing backs, Ender Stevens hasn't been the same player he was. Um, I know he's quite a few injury problems, but Reese Norrington Davis probably deserves a run out. Ben Davis came in, wasn't as composed as as he should be for the for the sort of signing he was. Um, and Jack Robinson's quite lucky to lose his place in starting 11 as well. So, yeah, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot wrong, but it is owing to injury problems. 
but it's something they need to sort out very, very quickly. Players like Morgan Gibbs White, they need someone to bounce off, don't they? And I don't think McBurney is that because he's, no. he's been so mediocre ever since signing for Sheffield United, really, hasn't he? And mm-hmm. that's one of the main reasons why they've just struggled so much in recent weeks. Peterborough were 1-0 down to Blackburn in the 82nd minute, but came back to win 2-1. Yet more evidence, Justin, of Peterborough playing a lot better under Grant McCann. Well, I, I heard a stat yesterday saying um, Peterborough have scored a third of their goals this season under Grant McCann, and he's been in charge <laughs> since mid-Feb, which just it just blows my mind that this. <laughs> I'll go back to it. Giving Darren Ferguson a new it's, contract. It's becoming a weekly thing, isn't it? Where wherever we talk about Peterborough, we just give a sly dig to Darren <sighs> Ferguson. Yeah, I mean, he'll never be a guest on the show, will he, if he ever listens back? But. It is it is staggering that the decision wasn't made earlier, but fair play to Grant McCann and Peterborough because they're creating, one, they're creating a lot more chances, two, they are not conceding as many chances, and three, they're scoring goals. You look at Jack Marriott, for example, I know Johnson Clark-Harris has picked up form, but Jack Marriott's picked up form as well, and he's he's not been in form since 2018. Um, that's a long time. Um, so, I mean, yeah, credit to Grant McCann to, for turning it around. They've given themselves a really really slim hope of staying up but considering where they were to where they are now is yeah massive massive kudos there to, to Grant McCann and the players when, oh. when Ferguson was there I, I was saying I think this Peterborough side is better than the results suggest of course I wasn't a big fan of Ferguson but we're now seeing that ultimately I was right because Clark Harris looks a completely different player doesn't he he's looking more mm-hmm. like the one that we saw in League One last season Samish Boddix was good uh, DeAndre Fuchs has looked like a really good player since coming back into well since joining from January so this Peterborough side has got quality but obviously it's too late now for them to actually mm-hmm. make a real dent on staying up and it's looking more likely that they'll have to just do it again in two seasons time hopefully obviously when they bounce back from League One next season. Um, Blackburn, Ben Brereton Diaz got his first goal since December, but it just wasn't enough. And they're quite fortunate that most of the teams above them failed to win. But on the other hand, I suppose you can look at it and say it was an opportunity missed to make up ground. But that's summarising Blackburn's past couple of months, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's been it's been um, it's been really poor in this game. Again, probably summarised Blackburn quite nicely. Um, they failed to, to to really take hold of the game. Um, I know going down to ten men is not going to help. So again, you've got to praise some element of character to get and get ahead in the game after going down to ten. But you look at the amount of saves Kaminsky had to make in goal. It was it was quite staggering, really. Just the amount of freedom Peterborough had at times. And again, I know going down to ten men isn't going to help. But at the same time, there's enough in that squad to be very defensive and disciplined. You look at Lewis's performance against Forest, didn't give anything away against one of the best attackers in the division in, in Brennan Johnson. And you know, you have to argue that they're a better calibre of player here at Blackburn and they just couldn't they just couldn't um couldn't nullify Peterborough. No, absolutely not. Well just unless I have a quick break after that we'll talk about the draw between Huddersfield and QPR and then a big win for Kov. Back to the second tier podcast. Now, there was a shock in itself at Huddersfield as they drew 2 2 with QPR. It was a shock because QPR have been so terrible recently, but they were better here, weren't they? 
yeah, they they had they they managed the game in spells in um, in this, uh, and that was the impressive thing about them. Obviously, Huddersfield they're a difficult team to break down once they go one 0 ahead. So, um, all credit to QPR for having the desire and 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 push again amongst an injury crisis to 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 go and um, pull pull one back against against Huddersfield, a very good team in a very good atmosphere late in the day as well. Um, but as you say, QPR did well in spells. They just looked a little bit better. Um, all round, all round the pitch in this one, uh, and as I say, Huddersfield will be disappointed that they didn't get the three points they needed it. Um, but at the same time, it's not it's not the worst result in the world. Yoran Barbe's own goal was comical. Cross comes in, he's under very little pressure and guides a header that's going wide into his own net. Poacher instincts from him at the back post. Um, brilliant header by Harry Toffolo. I thought of you yes. when I saw that header just in because yes. I thought, oh, Justin's going to enjoy that one. Oh. Um, I think you'd call it two points drop for Huddersfield, but actually a point isn't terrible as their playoff place begins to solidify and obviously the mm. results at, on Good Friday weren't terrible from their perspective either. They're away at Middlesbrough on Monday, which is obviously a big game in the push for the playoffs. But the QPR players didn't look, at, didn't look as if they weren't fighting for the manager here, did they? No, as I say, it was a really good performance from them. Um, Chair in particular was great. Luke Amos, I know we said, I don't know if it was this week or last week's episode, we were saying that Luke Amos needs to be playing more often. Um, and you look at his late run to get on the end of that. Good number eight's got on the end of them types of crosses um, inside to, inside the six yards box because no one could track their runs. Um, and lo and behold, he, he did that and he, he got on the score sheet in the process. But it was a really good performance. Um, and again, as I say, really important to emphasise the injury crisis they've got. They've obviously lost Rob Dickey for the season. So Jimmy Dunn and Barbe were part of a back four. Not not very often that um, a back four gets deployed uh, under Mark Warburton. So yeah, it was, a, it was a much better performance. And that's what they need between now and the end of the season. Good performances to give the fans hope and obviously the owners hope that Mark Warburton is still the man. Well, as we keep saying, all but one of the top eight actually won on Good Friday, which has meant some teams have managed to kickstart their playoff hopes again. One of them is Coventry, who looked like it was all of a sudden over, but two wins on the bounce. And the latest, a 4-2 victory away at Birmingham. You look at it now and you can't rule out the possibility of a late push from Cov, can you? No, I don't think you can. As I say, because Sheffield United are looking bruised. Uh, I think would be the best way to say it. They're looking bruised. Blackburn aren't. They, they, they can't pick up points. To be quite, to be quite blunt, and obviously, Borough, um, Borough, the team that 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 should be looking to get into that top six, but that opens the door for Coventry, um, and and so you know only what three points off, three points off sixth. Yeah, Coventry will certainly be licking their lips, and again, this type of performance shows one one they've got quality in their team and two um they've got the 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 push to 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 keep going because you know they they had a dip and now they won back to back games and they're right back in the mix again yeah still slim but we know they've got quality don't we because we've seen it across the course of the season it's just about which coventry side turns up and that's been the case for quite a few games across the sort of uh, across the course of the season but this was an entertaining game four headed goals which i think is a spectacular amount and um, ben Sheaf, Got two goals, hasn't scored in a Coventry shirt prior to this game. Um, the winner led to wild scenes in the Coventry end. Callum O'Hare scored it and celebrated by wearing some sunglasses thrown from the away end. How <laughs> that's actually happened, I'm not too sure, but I enjoyed it. That racked up a few likes on Twitter. What won't have racked up a few likes was Birmingham's defending for the goal. I, I don't know, it's something you may need to watch again, Justin, but the ball takes an age to actually go in because there's three different shots by Coventry players, but every Birmingham player is just stood there 
and watching. There's one defender who's actually trying to close it down. But Callum O'Hare runs through all these Birmingham players and ends up scoring. It's embarrassing. And going to look, look at Birmingham from a whole... I've seen a few Birmingham fans saying, Bo, you're out because of their form over the past few months. I think that's a bit harsh. Well, it's you always look at it and go, okay, your form is your form is sackable. The amount of wins they've racked up since November or October, the, the, the form is sackable. But again, the circumstances surrounding um, Lee Bowyer isn't it of a bearing them I I don't think um I don't think I'd be surprised to see him resign potentially in the summer because this is a basket case of a football club and it's not going to get better any soon uh, anytime soon but it's funny you mentioned the fourth goal but any any of those Coventry goals you look at the defending and you think just terrible it's terrible the marking for the corners um was just non-existent it was it was shameful absolutely shameful and um I think that's one one way you can assess a team is how how well they defend from corners because if there's a desire to block your man's run or attack the ball to to get it out um then you'll get on the end of it but if you don't teams are going to score against you and they did that three times well this is a mediocre squad isn't it and that's the main reason why i don't think it's a bottom three squad yeah yeah pretty much is um from a perspective of an outsider looking in, I think having Lee Bowyer as a manager is one of the only bright sparks about Birmingham right now. Because mm-hmm. I think he's a good championship manager. I don't think he's the next Pep Guardiola, but I think he's a good championship manager. And you've got someone there who knows the club inside and out as well. So I don't think any other manager could, particular, who's realistic for Birmingham, that is, could really do a better job with this squad that is so mediocre. Some of the players there, for me, are League One standard anyway. And then some of the other players are just so grossly overpaid that they're not mm-hmm. showing that they deserve their place in the team anyway. And it doesn't look like it's going to get better any time soon anyway, because the club is just run so terribly in terms of overpaying these players and the recruitment as a whole just being so bad. So I, I think Lee Bowie has to stay. Otherwise, I can see a bad situation getting even worse. And I think having the constant there in the dugout is at least one positive that you can say about Birmingham. But mm-hmm. as I've said before, I think they're a side that will be looking over their shoulder next season. Preston 1, Millwall 1, not exactly an eye-catching result, but carrying on from what we were just saying about Coventry, Millwall are one of those teams whose playoff chances look to be drifting away, but have it suddenly improved slightly with the Good Friday results. Murray Wallace scored both goals. I've noticed Millwall seem to score a lot of own goals and they've actually conceded the joint most in the division this season, so there you go. Um, Millwall's remaining games, Justin, get your lips around this. Hull at home, Birmingham away, Peterborough at home, and then Bournemouth away on the final day. If if they're going to get in the top six, they need three wins from those next three games, don't they? Mm-hmm. And considering the opposition, I'd say that's entirely possible. Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's it's funny because I've I've never completely ruled Millwall out. I've always given them a small percentage, even even Coventry, even though we've said in the past um, that it's probably over for them. But there's still there's always been a, you know, a nagging feeling that. You know, if results go their way, especially then they, there is an opportunity to get into the top six. Um, and Millwall, fair play to them, are, are still are still going. But as you say, they're similar to Coventry. They've got to get three wins out of the next four games to at least stand the chance of of being in the top six come come the end of the come the end of the season. 
They've had like a 10% chance throughout the course of the season, haven't they? And oh, they've, they've, yeah. it's not really changed at any <laughs> points. They've always just been on the periphery of the actual playoff battle. Um, Barnsley's slim hopes of staying up had a small boost after they drew one all away at Swansea. One of the many bizarre Good Friday results. Barnsley had only managed to avoid defeat in two away games since September prior to this, but fully deserved at least a point here, I thought. I thought, I mean, Bassey was superb. Someone who caught the eye when he initially joined from Barnsley, but then has kind of, his impact has diminished slightly, but he was great here. Olivier and Cham's goal was lovely as well. Anything to add here, Justin? I, I just think... Um... It probably exemplifies the lack of quality that Barnsley had. They had 19 shots, but just four on target. Probably shows that they are lacking a bit of quality. But bear in mind, Collie Woodrow has been injured since December. Would things have been a bit different for them had he been fit? Maybe. Um, but they, they'd be 16 points of drift of safety if there was no points reduction. So just there's there's a lot wrong with this Barnsley team and very slim hopes of staying up. But yeah, not not been the best season, to be very polite. No, of course not. Well, after losing six games on the bounce at home, Hull decided to wear their away kit at home against Cardiff to see if it changed their fortunes. And it did. They won 2-1, thanks to goals from Louis Coyle and Alayar Syed Manesh. Got it right that time. Mm -hmm. Um, How about that, Justin? Wearing your away kit at home, are you superstitious at all? I'm very superstitious. Goodness me, I'm the most superstitious person probably on the planet. Give me a superstition you've got. Well, I'll probably wear the same clobber for every home game. Um, okay. When I go to going to Derby, um, I will I'll always get there about fifteen minutes before kickoff, and I'll always put my chewing gum in my mouth before I leave the car, and then that's me done until I get to the ground. That sounds go like more of a routine than superstition. Yeah, but I can't break from that routine in case I think things will go wrong. Mm-hmm. So that's that, that's when it becomes superstitious. Fair so what about I, I when do, you're I actually have... playing football on the Sunday? Do you have anything? Um. I wear the, I've had the same Under Armour for shorts Under Armour and top Under Armour for about seven years. Um, mm. I don't like changing just in case something bad happens. I, I don't know what that could happen. Mm. What could happen? I've, I've mean I've, I've done my knee in, so I'm wearing all that stuff. So it can't be it can't be true, can it? No, no. I I used to because I used to play in goal. I used to watch videos of goalkeepers on YouTube. Um, some of their greatest saves and I never broke that routine and if I went to a game and hadn't watched those videos then I'd be in my head thinking right I'm gonna have a bad game today now because I've not watched it but it's all just a mindset Justin it's something you don't really need to worry about um <laughs> anything you actually wanted to mention on this game yeah sorry sorry Hull and Cardiff fans um to be fair it would actually be interesting to gauge Hull City fans opinions on changing their home strip to that blackout kit because that blackout kit is absolutely gorgeous mm, very nice very nice I thought um, Alia Sayed Manair she's looked quite handy at times hasn't he and yeah. I, I think Hull have got an option to sign him in the summer as well million. I hope he doesn't sign because I've really struggled <laughs> um, West Brom 2 Blackpool 1 this was a game lacking in quality but a good win for the Albion amazingly they're only 5 points off the playoffs but I, I, I'm not considering opening that can of worms Justin unless you are no absolutely not I, I will not put any money on West Brom winning their next game absolutely not No, even you, if it, you don't know what you're going to get do you Exactly. Even if the odds were, even if I put a pound down and won a million pounds back, I would not, I would not waste my money. That sounds mm, like a terrible that's, investment, that's Justin. A, <laughs> yeah, well, it might be, but you just cannot trust this West Brom team. I can guarantee they'll lose on Monday night. Mm. 
Okay. And finally, Stoke nil, Bristol City won a free goal by Jada Silva. Saw them pick up just their second away win since October. The most entertaining part of this game was the scrap between Dan Bentley and Jacob Brown. Just completely petty and needless, but so very funny. I think it's one of the (laughs) few times I've watched something happen in the Championship by myself and actually laughed out loud about how funny it was. It was good. It was good. The body slam from Bentley on Brown right in front of the referee as well mm. was was brave and he got away with it, but it was a textbook move. That was good. Thank God as well, there's a camera behind the sponsor boardings. <laughs> so yes, we actually saw them land <laughs> as well. It was so good. And then after all that, they laughed it off. And I just thought, hang on a minute, you two are scrapping a second ago. <laughs> oh, dear. Right now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news and Alexander Mitrovic, Dominic Solanke and Harry Wilson have been shortlisted for the Championship Player of the Season Award. Not hugely surprising, nor will it be hugely surprising who I imagine is going to win it. Of course, Mm. though, this is a Mickey Mouse Award compared to the Second Tier Player of the Season Award. Anyone else you think maybe should have been included in the shortlist, Justin? Um, I think maybe, I don't know, was it harsh to exclude Andy Vyman? His goals and assists record this season has been brilliant um, and he's been consistent all season as well. Um, probably a bit harsh not to consider him. I always feel bad for defenders and goalkeepers. Again, Lee Nichols is a, is one I think should be at least in the top five if there was a top five. Um, I'm surprised he hasn't been given more recognition. But they always go for the attackers. don't know why. Yeah, I'd probably have the same shortlist if I'm being completely honest. The only two players who I think could have also been there would be Brereton Diaz. But I mean, first goal since December uh, mm-hmm. on Good Friday isn't a, a shining representation of the season that he's had. Uh, the, other, the only other player I thought of was Chris Willock. I thought maybe him instead of Wilson would have been a fair representation representation of the teams around the league, but that's just my thoughts. The young player of the season shortlist includes Jed Spence, Brennan Johnson and Fabio Carvalho. All would be worthy winners in my eyes, mm-hmm. if any of them won. Um, Sean Dyche has been sacked as manager of Burnley. Obviously not Championship just in its Premier League. <laughs> but I included this for three reasons. One, obviously Burnley likely to going to be in the Championship next season is the way things are going. Two... Mm-hmm. Some of the favourites with the bookies are championship managers. Chris Wilder was the favourite. Wayne Rooney was second favourite. And three, I reckon his next job will be in the championship. Anything at all that you want to add on that matter? I don't think he will be in the championship, Dyche. I think he will get a Premier League job. Um, For example, if I was Everton right now, I'd sack Lampard and get Dyche. But that's Premier League talk. We don't need we don't need to talk about that. That now. would be salt in the wounds for Burnley, wouldn't it, if they went down? <laughs> oh yeah, it would actually. Um yeah, Burnley, they are destined to finish below thirteenth next season in the championship. They've got a lot of players out of contract and an ownership that yeah, hundred percent. And and an ownership that has genuinely no clue how to um succession plan with players. Um they, they needed to invest in that squad last summer and they didn't and they're paying the price for it now. But we've said this, or we've said very similar about teams that have been relegated from the Premier League before, Justin. And in the end, the amount of money they've got and the squad they've already got there, the amount of resources they've got to other championship sides, it usually comes through in the end. So do you not think... Yeah, but Dyche added that little bit... Actually, no, Dyche added an extra 50-60% into that team because that team probably is a championship squad on paper other than a couple of individuals. Because you look at Aaron Lennon, for example, he's a squad player, but he's still getting game time for Burnley. Ashley Westwood, Matt Loughton, um, Josh Brownhill, 
Yeah, she's a good championship player, but not Premier League, I don't think. Um, so, yeah, I just don't think it's a um, a Premier League squad and Dyche made it a Premier League squad. Take that out and they're a championship squad. Talking about Dyche's next job, I am if I could bet on it, 1 million percent I'd bet on him to be the next Watford manager because Roy Hodgson's not going to be there next season. Ex-Watford hmm. player. I think Watford fans, I've seen a few of them said they would like Dyche back as well. I'd be sticking my house on him to be at Watford next season in the Championship because I think that is destined to happen. A Cardiff boss Steve Morrison has confirmed Alex Smithies will leave Cardiff this summer. He's out of contract and Morrison says it won't be renewed because of wages and the goalkeeper's desire to move closer to home. Says a lot, Justin, about the financial pressure that the club finds itself under at the moment. I, I don't know if he could have been persuaded to sign a new deal, obviously, if he wanted to leave. That's a, that's a given, isn't it? But... Mm. Wages just couldn't afford them. Uh, yeah, as you say, it's not really a surprise. I think they were lit with um, Jack Anik uh, from St Mirren um, not too long ago as well. So again, yeah, I think he's only made about 150 senior appearances as a goalkeeper. And he's nearly 30, so it probably goes to sh- tells you where they're going in terms of recruitment as well. Mm. Worrying. Wales Online says Swansea are hopeful that Jamie Patterson will sign a new contract in the summer. Meanwhile, they're also looking at re-signing Hans Wolf on another loan deal. Yes, I think yes. I think that'd be a brilliant move, Justin. I'm a big fan of it. I was a big fan of the signing. It took him a while to get going, but he's really showed his quality the last four or five games. He's a very good player. He's had to play wing back at times, but now he's he's one of those two pivot players behind the the number nine behind Abafemi. He's obviously playing alongside either Patterson or Piro. Yeah, he's he's a, he's a talented player. He just needs confidence, and he can be dangerous. Yeah, now that he's had this kind of betting in period, if they get him back next mm-hmm. season, I think it could be really handy. Because as you say, he's been very versatile, and he's been playing in the front three, in midfield, wing back. Players like that are invaluable at championship yeah. level, especially because so many squads are so thin. And I think if Swansea do get him back, he will be a really, really good move, particularly because he has looked so good in the last month or so. And then Gary Medine signed a new one-year deal to stay at Blackpool, which is good news for everyone involved, isn't it? Right, Justin, now it's time for the game. It's did he or didn't he? Um, we play this so infrequently, I still haven't made a jingle for this, but... If you haven't heard of this before, I'm going to name for Justin 10 players with various connections to the championship and a club. All he's got to tell me is whether they've played for that club or not. He's got to have made a senior appearance for them at the very least. And Justin, you'll be glad to know it's a goalkeeper special this week for absolutely no rhyme or reason. So do you want the first player? Yeah, OK. Alex Smithies and Leeds. We were just talking about him, weren't we? Has he played for Leeds? He's a Yorkshire lad, isn't he? They have to have made a senior appearance, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he has them. He hasn't. He hasn't played for Leeds. Yeah, I, I threw in a Yorkshire club in there because he's up from that way, isn't he? So you've got mm. one right so far. Just before we go any further, what would you say is a good score for you here? I, what did I get? I got nine, didn't I, last time we played this? You did very um, well last time. What would you be so disappointed with? I'd be disappointed with six. I'd be content with seven be very happy with over seven interesting okay then <laughs> next one is sam johnston and doncaster he has played for doncaster oh i don't know now i was very confident with that one yeah he's played he's played for doncaster he has so many loan spells out he had two loan spells there in 2014-15 so you're absolutely right on that one next is emmy martinez and sheffield wednesday <laughs> goalkeepers oh god he's had so many low spells out as well he's at Reading he was at Wolves um, 
Ooh, I don't think he's played for Wednesday, though. He made 11 appearances on loan. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> it's the goalkeepers, isn't it? They, they, big, they go around like it's nothing. It's like a roundabout yeah. of goalkeepers. Um, so you've got two out of three so far, Justin. Not bad. Bartosz, Bielkowski and Barnsley. No, he's not played for Barnsley. He made two appearances on loan. You're joking. <laughs> this is nonsense. Two out of four. It's starting to go very wrong. Uh, next up is Andy Lonergan and Burnley. Get rid. <laughs> journeyman goalkeepers ever. Um, Lonergan, Burnley. <laughs> no, he's, he's Preston. No, he would not play for Burnley. Played for 15 different clubs in his career, but Burnley is not one of them, so you're right. You say he's Preston, he's played for Blackpool. Has he? Yeah, I think he was on loan (laughs) from Preston, bizarrely. I don't know how that's worked. Uh, But you've got three out of five, Justin. Next up is this, Chris Kirkland and West Brom. (laughs) Oh... Um... Liverpool, Coventry, Leicester, um, not West Brom, not West Brom. He made 10 appearances on loan in 2006. (laughs) I love this game. This game is fantastic just because it winds up Justin so much. So you got three out of six so far. Um, What did you say? You'd be content with seven. You need to get all four of the next ones right then to uh, match that. Next up is Neil Etheridge and Millwall. Etheridge had a fairly unremarkable career up until he joined Cardiff. It was at mm. Walsall and he came through at Fulham. He may have had a loan spell at Millwall, though. What are you saying? No, 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 no. No way. No way has David Ford not played any games between sort of 2009 and 2016. I, Neil Etheridge, no, he's not. He hasn't. Neil Etheridge has not played for Millwall. <sighs> Had a loan spell at QPR, though, which is why I threw that one in there. So you got four out of seven. Have I added that right? I think I've got that right. Um, Next up is David Stockdale and Huddersfield. It just... uh, The amount... Yeah, this does trigger me. This does frustrate me and anger me. (laughs) Because, again, Stockdale is, is a journeyman. He had a lot of loan spells when he was at Fulham. Uh, but I don't think he had one at Huddersfield. He came through their academy, but didn't play for them. So <sighs> you're right academy. on that one, Justin. Yeah, he's, he's Yorkshireman. He had a bond secretary meets. He's proper Yorkshire. Yeah, yeah. I could have sworn he came through at Fulham. There was there for so long. So you've got five out of eight. Next up, with two left, is Thomas Kuzak and Wolves. No, it was at Birmingham, but mm, Birmingham, Brighton, West Brom. I don't, I cannot recall him ever playing for Wolves. Made 13 appearances in 2014 15. When? When did he? I do vaguely remember that happening and thinking to myself, that's a good move. Um, I always liked Kuzak, I thought he was quite a good goalkeeper. I thought he was a good keeper as well. So you've got five out of nine. You said six would be a disappointment, and that's the best you can do now. 
And the final one is this. John Ruddy and Peterborough. Oh, my God. Uh, again, I, I think he came through at Shrewsbury. Everton. Definitely not Shrewsbury then. Um, Maybe it was. He, he was definitely at Everton. Um, not sure if he came through Shrewsbury. Yeah, no, he was at Everton. Um, I, I'm i going to say he had a loan spell there. I'm going to say he played like three games because this is how this game works. So he was at Everton and was loaned out to nine different clubs in the time that he was there. Peterborough was not one of them. Piss. Piss. Piss indeed. So you got five out of ten, Justin. Um, how do you feel after that? Are you thoroughly frustrated? Uh, well, yeah, massively. That game... If I was listening to that game, I'd be screaming. I'd be screaming at the um, speakers, whatever you're listening on. But I, I don't think many people would have done much better because there's some surprise ones in there. It's the loan system, isn't it? We've said this it's before the, with this yeah. game. Loan system before 2017 was just absolutely bonkers, and it's given Chaos. us so much trivia that it needs to be it needs to be brought back because in pod, the podcast is in 10 years' time. They need this sort of content as well. They absolutely do. And this has been the second tier podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We've gone through all the Good Friday games. We'll be back on Tuesday to go through the, all the Easter Monday games. So we look forward to seeing you then. We've got an episode on Tuesday and then an episode on Thursday. So back to normal on Thursday. Um, but thank you for listening. And as always, if you're willing to leave a review for us that would go down very well with us um, I was putting out a play midweek for more reviews because we need them so if you do that it helps us grow as a podcast and we'll appreciate it greatly so this has been the second tier podcast as I say we'll be back again on Tuesday to talk Easter Monday I've been Ryan Dilks I've been Justin Peach thank you for listening <laughs>